The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Well, thank you for joining us today on Truth and Love Radio. Pastor Sharam Hadian with you. Folks, I'm going to be delving in into a series of shows, and I'm not quite sure how many, to be precise, but a series of shows on the issue of refugee resettlement and immigration. This seems to be one of the most confusing issues for Christians today. In fact, the majority of Christians, as I will hopefully demonstrate on these radio shows, are in favor of massive refugee resettlement. They are in favor of open borders. What they, Maybe they wouldn't admit that it's open borders, but that's really what they're for. They are in favor of uh, DACA, the Dreamers Act. They're in favor in many respects of amnesty. They are in favor of giving a path of citizenship for those who are here illegally. Uh, they are in favor of all of these things because they are misrepresenting, abusing, misunderstanding the scriptures. What does God's word say about these issues? And specifically, as we're dealing with refugee resettlement on the on 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 uh, the subject matter that deals with Muslims coming in, Muslim refugees, Muslim immigrants, we see that it is even worse. In my opinion, it is even worse. So there's a lot that I want to expose. There's a lot that I want to put before you. And we really need the Lord's help. I, I ask you to pray. I ask you to pray for God's wisdom for these shows, that we would be able to put these shows together as a resource, something that I can point back to when I have Christians coming up to me and saying, as I've heard many times, well, you know, my, my relatives, my pastor, our church, they are, they're all in. They're all in for this stuff. How do we answer back? How do we make a salient argument about why we should have caution and wisdom when it comes to immigration, open borders, refugee resettlement, and so forth and so on? So there's a lot we're going to get through. Again, I'm not going to put a limit on how many shows we do. We're going to do as many shows as is necessary. But this is a critical issue. It is one that is deeply, deeply dividing the true church from the false church. And we want to have a balanced approach, truth and love, truth and grace. We want to have compassion for those who are legitimate asylum seekers, for those who are legitimate persecuted believers. But we need to be able to understand and expose the fraud that is the refugee resettlement industry. That's why I've titled this show the, the, the Trojan Horse of Refugee Resettlement. In fact, there is a DVD that we have on our website called Unveiling the True Face of Islam. On that DVD, there's a special section that we did on the Trojan Horse of, of, of um, Refugee Resettlement. Uh, specifically, it's called Al-Hijra. Al-Hijra, A-L-H-I-J-R-A, is the doctrine of migration in Islam. Many of you may or may not know that Islam has a doctrine when it comes to refugee resettlement. Now, on the program, I'm going to give you perspectives and, and give you a, um, 
you know, information that is not just dealing with Muslims, because we're going to address illegal aliens, we're going to address the open borders, uh, sanctuary cities, all of that stuff needs to be addressed. Because, again, as I tell you, I am sh- shocked, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but, uh, you know, again, the, as the scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. This is specifically, folks, this is specifically um, a massive area of confusion within the body of Christ. Now, as you, some of you remember on, on, on our previous uh, shows that we did on uh, the hyper-political aspect of, 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 of the Muslim Brotherhood and the ongoing Islamization of America, I covered for you uh, the, the, the spiritual reasons for this. And uh, speaking of DVDs, we have another DVD that we've done that is titled Islam and God's Judgment in the Last Days. Islam and God's Judgment in the Last Days, where I put forth the case that I believe Islam is part of the judgment of God upon the earth in the last days. And the unveiling DVD, that the Islam and God's Judgment DVD, our brand new DVD, Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue, all of these are critical. They're available on our website under our order tab. Please, if you're able to, get them, support the ministry, Get these out to your friends and family. Just past Sunday, we had a um, we had three or four gals that had come to our church. Uh, one was from Nevada, I believe. One was from Utah. Um, one was from 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 Idaho, and they, uh, I believe, it was Idaho. I apologize uh, if I got it wrong. And they are showing our DVDs in their churches. They got permission from their pastors to show these DVDs. And folks, this is this is exactly what we need to have happen. We need to multiply the efforts. We need to be able to get the word out. I can only travel in so many places, but that's why we do the DVDs. That's why we have the resources. So again, prayerfully consider uh, getting the resources, sharing them, and supporting our ministry so we can continue to get this vital information out. Now, as I covered again on these previous programs, and I've covered with our church, I want to focus on uh, the biblical reason why we see our walls down, our borders porous, why we see many Christians supporting uh, what seems like chaos, amnesty, illegal law, uh, behavior, lawlessness, um, on and on and on. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 23. We're going to look at the, the, the caution and the warning of God. The premise is, without going into the whole detail of it, again, I covered it before. The premise is, as Joshua is getting ready to pass on, pass the baton on, he's, he's, he's towards the end of his life. He served the Lord. The Lord's been faithful to them. He's passing it on. He brings the warning from the Lord about what would happen if they forsook God. If they turned their back on God. And I'm going to start in verse 12. And look at what it says. Joshua says, For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue, will not continue, to drive these nations out from before you. But they will be a snare and a trap to you, and a 
scourging on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. I am putting forth that this passage, as it related to Israel back then, forsaking God as a nation, would pertain to us here in this nation. A nation that made a covenant. Maybe not as a nation, but our forefathers made a covenant with God. The settlers that came to this land made a covenant with God. The compact, the Mayflower compact, the Jamestown compact, the compacts that they made. The compact means our oath. It's our covenant. And in that compact, they said they're going to stand with God. They're going to stand with him. And now 400 years later, 300 years later, 200 plus years later, we have completely forsaken the God of the Bible or Judeo-Christian values. As such, I believe that the consequences apply to us. And what do we see? We see foreigners among us. We see foreigners coming in to take our land. Let me, let, let me read the, the rest of this passage. Now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in, in all your hearts and all your souls that no one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. It shall come about just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you. So the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So just as so Joshua is saying, just as the Lord has fulfilled every positive word, if you forsake him, he will fulfill every judgment. Verse 16. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you will perish quickly off the good land which he gave you. So this is the warning. This is the warning that God gives because they allowed themselves to turn on God. They forsook God, and foreign uh, peoples, foreign gods, have come into the land. I've said this time again, time and time again. When you see a nation that the boundaries are down, the borders are down, there's lawlessness. There are foreigners among us, like in Europe, that are pillaging the land, raping the women, taking the resources. They want to overthrow this nation. They want to up upturn our foundation. All of these are not blessings of God. They are judgments of God. So how can so many Christians say that it is a blessing to have all these foreigners among us? The, I've heard this time and time again that the Lord is bringing foreigners to us so we can reach them with the gospel. Well, guess what? First of all, the massive amount of foreigners coming coming within us from from everything from illegal immigration, the sanctuary cities, to, these, to the fraudulent refugee resettlement program, to chain migration, all of this stuff, it is a sign of the judgment. It is not a blessing. And number two, the gospel is not being shared. And I will show that to you. The whole refugee resettlement industry is a fraud. It's a money-making machine. And Christians are getting milked. Christians are getting bamboozled by those who are perpetrating this and pretending to be Christians. So this is the backstory, folks. This is the judgment. So as we get into these shows, we're going to be looking at other scriptures and other arguments that those uh, in these liberal churches, in these 
uh, emergent, social gospel-driven, seeker-driven churches are, are pushing the narrative. You know, the narrative like, oh, we have to welcome the stranger among us. The narrative that Jesus was a refugee. Jesus was a Palestinian. The, 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 the narrative that, uh, that, that uh, uh, again, the Lord is bringing these refugees to us so that we can evangelize them. All of these are lies. They are all false narratives, and, and they are misrepresenting Scripture when they try to use Scripture. So we're going to try to make sure that we have a grounding in the Word of God, but that we understand the practicality of what's going on. That's what I want to get, get, get to. So the first thing I want to cover, as we've covered the spiritual foundation of why this is happening, why does the church, why do Christians not have any discernment when it comes to these issues, why is it that we would rather promote lawlessness uh, for the sake of quote-unquote compassion? The reason is because they are under judgment. There is a delusion upon the so-called church. Now, there is a true church and there is a false church. And the, the, the delusion is upon this false church, those who are in a state of compromise. And that's why they can't see it. So I want to begin with looking at Islamic doctrine because the Islamic doctrine is behind is behind this uh, deception. Then once we look at Islamic doctrine, we're going to look at some of the concerns that should be being raised with refugee resettlement, the immigration system, uh, chain migration. Uh, illegal aliens, amnesty, sanctuary cities, open borders, uh, ultimately ultimately a push for globalism because open borders is synonymous with globalism. They go hand in hand. If you're a supporter of open borders, if you're a supporter of nations not being sovereign, you're a supporter of the global antichrist movement. That's what the antichrist wants to implement. And folks... I know you're sitting out there saying, Sharon, Pastor Haiti, and this is going to happen anyway. I agree. It's got to happen eventually. But are we supposed to participate in it? Are we supposed to join forces? So the reason I'm picking on Islam, because the biggest controversy right now, and has been over the last number of years, has been with Muslim refugee resettlement. As a nation, we've had refugees coming into this country for a long time from various parts of the world, but not like we have seen recently, particularly from the Middle East. In 2016, we broke a record for the number of um, uh, Muslims that came into America. For the first time, for the first time, there is now more uh, Muslims coming into America than ever before. Well, let me take that back. Until President Trump. So in 2016... 39,000 Muslim refugees entered the U.S. That was the most ever. In fact, it surpassed the number of Christians that were allowed into the country as, uh, as indicate, indicative of a religious group. If you're monitoring religious refugees, it was the most ever. Now, under President Trump, that has shrunk in 2017 because he more than halved the number of refugees that were coming in in total which means that the number of Muslims coming in shrunk down. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. But when you see the number of, 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 
of quote unquote Christian leaders that are vehemently against President Trump for every from every denomination, and I'll point all this stuff out, you will understand the you know what we're facing against, and you'll understand the global push. So let's break this down now that we've laid a foundation into the Hydra. Folks, what is the Hydra and why should we should we be concerned about Islamic migration, about uh, immigrants from Muslim countries per se? Now, remember, I let me take a step back. I forgot to mention my own background. I am an immigrant from a Muslim country. I came to the United States from Iran. I was born a Muslim in a Muslim country. I converted to Christianity in 1999, but I moved to the United States in 1979. So I came to the U.S. as an immigrant. The difference is, is that my family, my parents, did not bring Islam with them. They did not bring an expectation that they were going to be governed by Islamic law here in the United States. Because let's not forget that I saw my birth country of Iran fall to Islamic oppression an Islamic totalitarian government, which is what is governing Iran today. That's my story. That's my testimony. I fled my birth country to leave Islam. My parents got us out to flee from the incoming Islamic regime. Even though my dad, to to close to his deathbed, would have said, if you had asked him, I'm a Muslim, he was not practicing. He was not practicing Islam. He was not practicing any aspect of, of Sharia. He was not a good Muslim. He was not a devout Muslim. And so that's my own backstory. And I've witnessed Iran fall under Islam, governed by Islamic law. I came to the United States under under a visa. Then after a period of time, we moved to Canada. I waited in 1998. I applied uh, for my green card. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, go back to 1991. I applied for my green card in 1998. Almost eight years later, I finally got the approval to go for my interview, got my green card. 1998, moved to back to the United States. Then 1999 is when I had the, my transformational life change. I became a Christian, uh, accepted Christ, left Islam, became an apostate, very quickly went into ministry uh, or training for ministry, Bible college, then became a pastor. Now, after I became a Christian, I then had to wait another eight years almost to become a legal citizen. So my own process of immigration was a legal process that took close to 16 years, 16 years to become a legal citizen. I applied in 1991 initially, and I became a citizen in 2007. That's my process. So I am all for legal migration. I am all for a legal process within limits. But I've also been on record as saying that I supported, I have supported uh, the travel bans that President Trump has imposed temporarily. Remember, those were temporary travel bans, not permanent travel bans, from some of these Islamic countries like Iran that are hotbeds for radicalism. At the same time, what we have seen is with, as I said, last year, 20 or 2016 under Obama, we had the most number of Muslims come in, to, in, in one year period ever. Yet we saw very few Christians from these persecuted nations being allowed in, like Syria, like Iraq. There was a shutdown of 
Christians who were being allowed in. So that's part of this stereotype. And if you've been listening to our program, I just did two programs on the the the, the false narrative that Muslims are more persecuted in America than Christians are in the Middle East. I just did two programs proving to you that it is Christian genocide we should be worried about, Christian persecution we should be worried about. But when you when you look at all of the 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 so-called Christian leaders that are all in for refugee resettlement and immigration and unchecked immigration and open borders and amnesty and sanctuary and everything else that goes with it, folks, you will see that they are very, there's very little lip service even to the Christian the persecution of Christians, the plight of Christians. That's part of the the the, the hypocrisy of this. So, Al Hijra, let's look at why this is a problem for Islam. Islam's birth is really based on the Hijra. The word Hijra means migration. Because when Muhammad was born in 570 AD, and when he began his ministry just after 600 AD, he was in Mecca. He was in Mecca for approximately 12 to 13 years. In Mecca, he was in a super minority. He only had, according to the most generous uh, statistics, maybe 150 followers total in a 12 to 13 year period. Wasn't doing so well preaching a peaceful, quote unquote, peaceful, non-compulsive Islam as Surah 2, 1, um, 5, 6 uh, asserts. Uh, Surah 2, chapter 2, speaks of the fact that there is no compulsion in religion. Maybe you've heard of this. When, when you know, uh, people will use this, this, this narrative uh, in, I'm sorry, did I say 156? Chapter 2, 256. Let there be no compulsion in religion, it says. Well, remember, that was only in Mecca. That was when Muhammad was in Mecca. Once he once he begins to see that he's not having uh, you know a lot of success in Mecca, he then believes that Allah tells him because of the multiple different times of revelation according to him that he is to migrate to Medina to move north, and he calls on his followers to move with him together to Medina, and when he goes to Medina. He begins to uh, gain favor because the Jews in Medina uh, look to him as potentially a, a a prophet sent from God because that's what he claimed that he was, right? He said, claimed that he was the final messenger. Um, in fact, there are some writings that I've read that maybe some of the Jewish tribes in Medina that, that by the way, at the time was called Yathrib, not Medina. It was later changed to Medina, which means the city of the prophet. Yathrib was predominantly a Jewish area with multiple Jewish tribes that were there, and these Jewish tribes, by some accounts, believed that Muhammad could be the Messiah, because he claimed Muhammad did that he was the final messenger. So now, once he get, gets there, they start following him, he starts amassing a military, begins to commit political raids, uh, raids on his enemies, amassing weapons, amassing money, amassing a military, and begins to plot to go back to Mecca where he was embarrassed and rejected. He eventually makes a treaty with the Mekians called the Treaty of the Treaty of Hudibiyah, 
which then, of course, he breaks that treaty. It was a 10-year treaty, which two-plus years into the treaty, he broke it. He then takes his army back to Mecca, routes Mecca, takes over Mecca as now the main headquarters of Islam. Why am I telling you all this? Well, because really Islam did not happen on the calendar until this hijra. Islam did not happen when Muhammad gets the revelation in 601 approximately. Islam happens in 622 AD when Muhammad calls for this hijra. That's when he went from Mecca to to Medina with his supporters. That's why the Islamic calendar, folks, is based on the hijra. You'll see the letters A-H after the year that they're supposed to be in. And the, the, the letter A-H stands for what? After Hijra. When Muhammad moved, he says, according to, to the Hadith, that there are three things Muslims are to do. To migrate, which is what he did. Then to populate. Of course, he had encouraged Muslims to have lots of babies, which we'll talk about on the next program. And then number three, which is a shock to some, to segregate. What? They're not going to assimilate? No. They're going to segregate because by segregating and establishing enclaves, they have more power. They have more political power, more physical power because they're all together in one area. And then Muhammad claimed that all of this was the way to jihad to establish the way of Allah. Here's what he says in the Hadith Kitab al-Amthil. He says, I charge you with what with five. I charge you with five of what Allah has charged me with. This is talking to Muslims. Number one, assemble. Number two, listen. Number three, obey. Number four, immigrate, the hijra. And number five, wage jihad for the sake of Allah. So immigration is part of waging jihad for the sake of Allah against unbelievers. It is a way that they gain more power. When we come back on the program next time, I will go through other verses, both in the Quran and in uh, the hadith that support what Muhammad said. So why should we be concerned about Muslim refugee resettlement, Muslim immigration? Well, first of all, look to Europe. We'll talk about that when we come back. But look at their ideology. Islam is the only political totalitarian system masquerading as a religion, folks, that has a ideology to use immigration as to as a way, as a means of waging jihad against unbelievers. And sadly, so many Christians are so ignorant on this issue that they are buying it hook, line, and sinker, opening their arms, embracing it, and even worse, saying, this is God's blessing. This is Jehovah's blessing. And I'm here to tell you, it's not his blessing. It's part of his judgment. Now, once they're here, once they're in our midst, yes, do we need to share the gospel with them? Absolutely. And, and again, I'll expose that on, on subsequent programs of how uh, the gospel is not being shared, but it's not a blessing. It's a judgment. We got to wake up. We need to pray for wisdom and discernment. Seek the word of God in its totality, not picking and cherry picking certain verses out of context and have a right perspective on this. Folks, stay tuned. We have a lot more, a lot more shows. This is a critical critical issue that we're going to cover. God bless you. Join us for part two on our next program. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. 
You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.